Hello and welcome to episode 37 of the Mental Health and Gaming Podcast. I'm um, Bradley, I nearly forgot my own name. Um, and once again, someone's name who I cannot forget, I'm joined by Dave. How are you doing, Dave? Uh, pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I thought the name change was probably about time to happen. So yeah, it just feels better. <laughs> feels good, man. Um, yeah. uh, for anyone listening for the first time, it is actually Stu that I'm talking about. About two. Jesus. Wow. There you go. That's a good start. Before we get going, this week, if you're listening to it upon release, it is our first birthday of the actual website. And there is a video on YouTube which de- details the journey that I mainly have been through, um, of how, how it's all helped me, and giving out thanks to everyone who's been a part of this journey. So please do check that out, link in the description. But I also, before we do get going, I do want to raise a bit of a complaint. Stu, you have all the editing power, correct? That's right. All right. You decided to add a bit of an audio clip or an audio cue in there that mocked me. Yes, and I will offend again. That's good. That's fair <laughs> enough. As well as, as well as I'm aware. Um, I don't like being the butt of the joke. I am a very serious person. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I say is correct. Oh, yeah, obviously take yourself very seriously. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's going to turn into a dictatorship soon. <laughs> I've just been biding my time. Kind of like a US presidential type. I'm biding my time, and then when it all starts going against me, I'm going to turn it into a dictatorship. Oh, I think you'd um, have to struggle hard to be worse than them. Yes. Um, I did make, well, I had to bring up a little bit of politics because it is relevant to some of the discussion in a bit on the games. But we'll start off with what have we been playing. And as usual, we will start with you, Stu. So, a couple of things. No, nothing in real depth because I've been really busy this week. But. Uh, Along with 13 Sentinels, which I talked about last week, uh, I'll talk about that in detail next week when I've put a few more hours in. But a couple of things that have been quite unusual in a good way. So I decided to crack out this thing that I bought a little while back, which is an, a stand slash, I don't know what you call it, kind of adapter that you put on your Xbox pad to put your phone above it so that you can play games on your phone but with your Xbox pad. Ooh, yeah, yes. Yeah. And they're not very expensive, and they work very well in terms of what they do. And so, first off, I was playing Metal Gear Acid, the PSP game, which is a card game. I'm not sure how you call it, but like you use cards to do actions, but you they they have their special actions like on their card face, but that you can also use them to move. You know, just to to perform standard actions as well yeah uh, it's 15 years old now um, it doesn't look up to up to much uh, pretty bland looking game but it's uh, I, I think it's fun I, I enjoy it so I've been messing around with that a little bit uh, it's a good format to play on a, uh, on a on a little handheld or you know as I was doing on my phone um, yeah I, it's actually probably one of the best uh, Metal Gear spin-offs there's been as well that and yeah. Vengeance as well yeah yes indeed absolutely yeah, there's very few spin-offs actually, surprisingly, but that's probably because Kojima. But anyway, yeah. So Metal Gear Survive. Oh yeah, but that, that was after he's gone. That was them, you know, humping the corpse yeah. of the franchise. Everyone's gone. No, we we forgot about that. Don't yeah. don't mention it. You summoned bloody Thingy the other week. Don't summon bloody Metal Gear Survive. <laughs> oh yeah, he who must not be named. Yeah. Yeah. It's the Davidson effect. Oh, there we go. <laughs> 
Oh, don't say it again. But yeah, so um, been had had a quick go of that uh, for a couple of hours, and I've also been playing uh, Demon's Blazon or Demon's Crest, as it's known in the West, which was a, a very late release on the SNES for uh, from Capcom, and it's based around Red Arima. I, th- I think he's also called Firebrand in the West. He's one of the enemies in uh, Ghouls and Ghosts and Ghosts and Goblins that. Yeah. Um, he's the little demon with the wings who's a pain in the arse uh, he got his own franchise, he was on the Game Boy and he was on you know, NES and SNES uh, I, if you thought the Ghosts and Goblin games were hard bloody hell this one's ridiculous but it's good fun so I was playing that as well um, and ROMs really suit it and this is all sort of tying into a discussion we're going to have in a bit so the, the last one is uh Doom Eternal on Game Pass, mm. which I've also been playing on my phone using the streaming option, and yeah, that's really odd. It's it's so strange playing such a powerful recent modern game on a tiny little phone, um, and it doesn't work perfectly. It's kind of the frame rates okay in parts, and then drops quite severely in places, which I don't really yeah. understand because it's been streamed so. Uh, basically it should be able to maintain its frame rate. Anyway, um, it's kind of hard to see some enemies when they're at a distance, but it's a game that's based on being close up, so that doesn't matter too much. The fact that the phone is sort of positioned above the pad, well, well, with my phone, particularly my phone's really heavy, and um, it it kind of unbalances things. It's a bit awkward. The controls themselves are okay, uh, seems like there's a little bit of lag in there, which for such a fast-paced game can be a bit tricky. But it's it's remarkable. It's more sort of exciting for the possibilities of technology than it is for gameplay, sort of thing. Mm. But it was a very interesting experiment about format, <laughs> which we'll come back to. So yeah, that's what I've been playing. Yeah, though no, I've I've not got a clip or anything so playing on the phone is has been awkward um but there's certain games that definitely are suited to that and others that aren't but i said we'll discuss that further down the line um so a couple of games i've been playing one i'm going to touch on briefly and then the other's going to be sort of like my main game so the first one is democracy 4 on the pc it's one of those games, obviously there's three of them prior to this and I've never really played them because it's just been one of those games where I look at and just go, really? I bet it's just a cheap cash-in type game. It's just like, just slap a, uh, an idea on something and do what you can. It's another simulator type game. Um, but I've played it and it's essentially um, Football Manager without the football. Um, right. And a lot more graphs and bar charts and numbers and things like that but basically you get to take over any real world country that it's got uh, preloaded as mods and everything so you can go really deep with it but you get to take over a country i chose the uk because i know the uk um and essentially you get to be the prime minister you've got a cabinet um and you need to set policies, adjust taxes, um, and generally react to real world, not real world, well, there are some real world events, but react to events that happen. Um, so there might be like an obesity crisis might be something you need to really deal with. So how do you deal with that? Uh, so you go in and you go, right, do we levy a sugar tax? 
Um, do we offer people subsidies for um, if they choose to buy bikes and go cycling more? Do we put more tax on car car usage and, and, and loads of things like that? And it's got this whole knock-on effect um, that is really in-depth. Um, and overall, it's a really, really good game. Um, my ADHD riddle brain struggled with it because there's just so much to take in at different times. Um, right. And it does have a few nice little pointers. So if you hover over an icon for, I don't know, for state schools, for example, and you think, right, I want to adjust the funding into state schools, it will actually show you what that affects. So it will affect like the overall GDP. It will affect um, other educational systems. So it will show you it will affect universities. Um, it will show you the effect it has on different voters. So if they're right-leaning or the wealthy, um, things like that, they it might have a negative um, effect on their voting moving forward. So they, they will drop. And again, if you, if you clip, hover over um, cars, it shows you the effect it can have on the environment, on obesity, on families, on school, on education. And so it gives you all these markers, which is really good. But there is just so much to take in. And what's really good, and you discover, my first thought was, well, I'm just going to go in. I'm just going to let's, let's create, try and create the country that I want to create, which is, you know, it's very left leading. We make sure everyone gets what they can as cheap as possible. Um, in terms of um, fight, being able to get jobs when they need them, but being able to get education without having to pay through the nose and all things like that. You cannot make those sweeping changes. You do that, your, your cabinet quits on you, so you have to get new people in. The voters don't like it, so you drop in popularity um, because obviously making these sweeping changes doesn't make it easy on anyone. So even those that will benefit won't immediately see those changes. So you lose popularity. And it's all really sort of like shows you there. The only problem I've really got with it is how you can willy-nilly change taxes and things like that. Whereas, obviously, in the real world, that's generally only done around the budget time. Yeah. Whereas this, you can do it as and when you want. And that felt a little bit off. Rather than going, like, what if we done this and planned this? So you couldn't really plan scenarios and then make the changes because you get a certain amount of points you can spend per week to make changes or you know policies fine introduce those and it's really good one of them was should we ban animal testing uh, my first thought was well, yeah of course we should ban animal testing but it gives you a reasoned argument as to why you should ban it and why you should keep it right and you sit there going hmm okay so at the moment we have animal testing but this is what will happen if we ban it which is good but this is the effect it will have on this so okay then we'll leave it for now so you get decisions where you just go, right, okay, we'll leave it for now, so we'll leave it as it is. And it has, like, it gets announced that, oh, you know, the Prime Minister doesn't want to ban animal testing. And then that has a negative effect on on the left, the left-leaning voters, because it's like, well, he wants to keep animal testing. And you're going, sitting there going, well, that's not what I said, but I suppose that's how it's been reported. And yeah, it's just a really interesting game. It's like, better people than me will get a lot more out of it. Uh, because they won't be confuddled by it. But it does give an insight as to how difficult it is to run a country. And I think it did not make anyone go, oh, we shouldn't give like the likes of Trump and uh, Boris Johnson a hard time. Because what it shows to me is why people like me aren't running the country and why we shouldn't have certain types of people running a country. Because it's such a difficult job. 
even shown on a probably a watered down video game. It is a really difficult job to get things balanced and right. Um, and it's a really it gave me a ground standing. Right, that, that all it done was cement my views that the likes of Trump, the likes of Johnson, should not be running a country because they are not equipped to do it because they are utter buffoons. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, really good game though. Cool. But yeah, it's unlike it's the opposite of the football manager effect where you think you anyone can like finally like oh, I can make England win a World Cup. I've done it on Football Manager twenty times. It's easy. Yeah. You can't do that with Democracy Four. Although England won the World Cup. So there you go. That's how good a football manager I actually am. Not only have I won the World Cup on Football Manager, I've won it on a politics game as well. <laughs> That's just yeah, you are the best. Um, but the the main game I want to talk about and it will lead nicely into probably format the format talk, uh, which is why I left it till last, is Ori and the Will of the Wisps. And if you've played Ori and the Blind Forest, it is more of the same, but better and enhanced in so many ways. And that's not saying that Blind Forest was a bad game, because it really, really wasn't. But they've instead of just doing, right, okay, we're going to make the exact same game again, they, they've looked at what could be improved on. And it's almost like a quality of life update with a lot of it. And it is so, so damn good. It's still brutally difficult in parts, but like um, Blind Forest, Ori and the Will Will of the Wisps, you don't mind the difficulty because you're just looking at these lush environments, these wonderful animations, um, and this, this ongoing story that just is full of emotion. There seem to be a few more cutscenes, or non—I wouldn't say actual cutscenes, but non-control sections compared to the first game. But that just might be me misremembering. Uh, but on right. the whole, it tells a wonderful story whilst without taking you out of the game. Um, on the whole, which which is absolutely brilliant. Now, I could have played this on the PC. I could have played this on the Xbox. I decided to play it on the Switch, and boy, does it hold up well on the Switch! Um, same as Blind Forest did, Ori and the Will and the Wisp looks beautiful. Even handheld, just looks absolutely stunning. And I, I, one, I can't believe they've managed to do this. Which sounds weird for a 2D game, I suppose. But when anyone who's played the first game, or even anyone who's played Will and the Wisps as well, you'll understand just how beautiful it is and how impressive it is. It is running on a Switch, let alone as good as it is. But we spoke about this just before going in. If someone had told me a few years ago that I'll be playing a Microsoft game studio of this quality in handheld on the Nintendo Switch, I would have thought you was insane. You was an absolute cray-cray because that sort of thing was never going to be possible. But not just because of the technical limitations, but because of the the capitalist limitations, we'll say, with it. But again, Microsoft, they're moving to just wanting to sell their games is showing the benefits here again because I don't get time to sit at the TV and play a game. So I couldn't play um, Ori and the Will and the Wisps on the Xbox because there'd be so many games I want to play, especially on Game Pass as well. And my son would be battling for the controller. My daughter's really starting to show an interest now and is um, battling for the controller they only want to play Brawlhalla, Fall Guys and other games like that. So I just don't get the time because, again, I've got to go, well, now my partner's home. I don't want to just sit in front of an Xbox all the time and take the TV away from her. So being able to play these games on a Switch is just, wow, it's, it is amazing. But 
Ori and the Will and the Wisps is. I don't know where you go because again, I don't. We don't do scores, obviously. But you know, if Ori and the Will and the Wisps is a ten out of ten. Oh, sorry, and the uh, Blind Forest is a ten out of a ten game because it really, really is. And Will of the Wisps improves on it. Is it a ten plus? Is it an eleven? Um, <laughs> it's a Spinal Tap game. <laughs> yeah, neither are perfect because I don't believe in the perfect game. But they. You know, I, when I scored, I always looked on how much enjoyment do I get out of a game and why would I give it 10 out of 10? Even other games where they might have been given like sevens across the board because it's a personal thing and I love them. So Blind Forest, or in the Blind Forest was a 10 out of 10 game for me. And or in the Will and the Whip does better. And I think, again, it shows why scores are ludicrous at times because you set a limit with a certain game. And it's where do you go from there? Yeah. And, you know, again, if I suppose you could turn around and go, if I gave Sonic 4 a 1 out of 10 because that score I gave it because it was the worst game I've ever bloody played. Um, Sonic Mania being as good as it is, it's that much better. What does that get? You know, do I objectively go it's a 7 out of 10 game, because that's how much objectively better it is than this crappy 1 out of 10 game. Is it better than the original Sonic? I don't know. Still not sure. Um, uh, and things like that. Um, it's definitely not a 10 out of 10 game. But then it's better. Where, where do you put it? So this is why scores are ridiculous. But um, Orion the Will and the Wisps, it's difficult, but it's brilliant. It's beautiful. It's dark. It's full of all kinds of emotions, absolutely all kinds. And if you've not played it, play it. It's it's an experience. It is just. I I don't know if I can just get through how good a game it actually is. Um, really tight platforming, by the way. I mean, the, what, what's vital to a game like Ori and the Will of the Wisps is the, the controls and the platforming has to be on point because it doesn't matter how good it looks or what it does in terms of storytelling. If the controls aren't on point, it's dead in the water. Ori and the Will of the Wisps is difficult and frustrating, but it's still fun to play. And yeah, just absolutely wonderful. Yeah, excellent. No, I want to. I've I've not played either. I was put off by the difficulty. I I don't like games that are over hard, like over difficult. Um, they really put me off. Uh, I don't like. There's there's like a level, isn't there? There's a sort of struggle to to get past a certain thing, and yes. I don't mind those sort of peaks of difficulty in games as long as it sort of returns to a normal and or there aren't too many of them. But things like that and Super Meat Boy and the letter V six times and you know those sorts of games, they for me they're just constant peaks of difficulty and I find it too stressful to be honest. No, that's actually a really really good point and it is the one negative I've found with both the Ori games actually. And this is where I think games like Hades and there are other games that allow you to do it. I think have set the new bar now. Give if it's a single player game. Give people the option to God mode through a section. Simple as that. Yeah. Let them God mode. Or let it... Everyone mocked... Elizabeth, everyone mocked New Super Mario Brothers. You, I think it was. If it's if it's, if it's it's one of the other ones, I'm sorry. Because it let you have a, mo a mode where basically Luigi would come in and take over and complete that level for you. Yeah. And that got mocked. Why? Mario Kart does it. It will allow young people to play a game competitively. Um, it allows old people who maybe don't have the dexterity to join in 
Ori and the Will and the Wisp, Ori and the Blind Forest are games that everyone should play, but the difficulty is off-putting for some. Now, for me, I will push through because it's just absolutely wonderfully beautiful. Um, but there were times where I did get tempted to go, is this really worth it? It was, but I did have that moment of doubt. And there was moments where if I could have God-moded through a particular section, I would have. Yeah. And Hades does it brilliantly where you can turn it on and off at will. And it gives you um, ever-increasing help um, based on how you're playing. And then you can turn it off. Once you're used to it, you can turn it off. So any game that's a single-player game that has a difficulty spike has to have that option for me. And that, 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 yeah. would, that would really make it much better and give, get more people to play it. Yeah, absolutely. But anyway, spoke about playing Ori on the Switch. Um, you spoke about playing uh, a ROM of a game on the phone. You played about uh, the Complain. No, you never. You played Doom Internal on a phone. And when I spoke about Democracy 4, that's a game that you can only really play on the PC because of everything that's in it. So, let's talk about formats, shall we? Yeah. And the effect they have. And there is, I think, also, there is a, definitely a mental health effect with some of this as well. Um, but I'll let you introduce, I'll let you go in, and then we'll we'll chat about it a bit more. Well, I mean, it was interesting when I was having a go at... I mean, we talked about last week about using... Um, in the example of Ultimate Ghosts and Goblins, of using a different format to play something old and how much more that brought to it. And it is kind of like picking the perfect situation for it in a way. So it was a it was a great idea to bring a game like that to the PSP conceptually, just as it was, you know, it, it's nice to have that and things like Wipeout on there. But when you reach deep down inside yourself, you're like, yeah, but it was completely the wrong format, wasn't it? And there's kind of, you know, one of the things you've got to keep in mind when you're doing these things is, do does the format fit the game? And I think one of the, the companies who does it best, or has at least in the past, uh, was Nintendo, because they will go the extra mile and develop a controller or an interface that is new and exciting, but also suits a particular new type of experience really, really well. And then on the other hand, you have stuff like trying to play Doom Eternal on a phone with a controller, which, although it's amazing to look at and you can get fun from it, it's really not what it was designed for. So you really struggle to get the full experience from it. And that throws up all sorts of questions. And I think one of the main ones is, like I would ask you, so what is your favourite way to play games? Mm. Probably handheld. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say handheld is definitely my favourite way to play. If I look back at my favourite consoles, the Game Boy Advance, uh, then the Vita, and um, now the Switch, are probably my three absolute, if I was to look back and go, if you said to me you can have your choice of any consoles and the rest had to be put by the wayside, then it would be those three. Yeah, yeah, and it's really interesting because I think a lot of people feel are starting to feel that way, particularly because of the Switch. So if you really want to, you can just take it out of your hands and play it as a console, and that's you know fantastic. But people in like votes and polls for like the games of the generation, for example, handheld games were often overlooked, even though they were some of the greatest. 
And it's almost as if there's an inbuilt bias that because it's on a handheld, it has to be inferior. So it's great that you, you know, that you recognise that, you know, a handheld can be the most important and best way for games to, to be played for yourself. That's brilliant, yeah. I think. But and, it also yeah. adds some of the most frustrating games I've played of on handheld as well. Yeah. Um, where I've played them and just gone, this shouldn't be on this console. It really shouldn't. It's not working. Yeah. yeah. And you kid yourself that you, you do enjoy it or this is the way to play it. And you, you, you right, you then look at it objectively and go, yeah, that wasn't right for that. Um, like, for example, Killzone on the, um, on the Vita was an absolute technical masterpiece. Yes. And it was a really, really good game. It's probably better than the actual PlayStation 4 Killzone, in my opinion. Yeah. But, it should have been on a better, like a, a proper console with a proper controller. Um, yeah. Or there's the arguments that the Vita should have been designed better and had um, L2 and L R2 buttons. That that might have solved the problem. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah. And the better Killzone game on handheld is for me Killzone Liberation, which uses the brand but changed the format up to be a, like a top-down tactical kind of shooter type thing and that worked much better on the PSP than I think the Better Kill Zone game worked on the Vita um, because again one was designed with a handheld in mind the other one was designed to just go hey just look at what we've managed to squeeze into this yeah absolutely it is really interesting and I think that more and more developers are, are kind of playing to the strengths of a particular format um, and I think that when they do there's inevitably there's there's there are outliers there are games that they stick on a format and you're like that was a big mistake and the one that really springs to mind isn't one I've played but one that you talked about which is the outer the outer worlds I always forget whether it's wilds yes. or worlds the outer worlds outer world. on switch yeah which it just was like just because you can do it doesn't mean you should because if you have to make that many compromises, like playing Doom Eternal on a phone, if you have to make those that level of compromise, is it ultimately worth it? Um, right, for me, now this might be a bit skewed because I didn't play it properly on a big boy console, shall we say, to start with. Um, yes, because it's a slow enough paced game that it didn't matter as much. The same with... I suppose Borderlands on the on was well, different. Sorry, though. So Borderlands on the Vita is a game they shouldn't have done. It was amazing that it worked and it was very playable. Um, but then playing Borderlands two properly on the on on even the Switch shows. Oh, actually, it was rough on the Vita. But you look at something like The Outer Worlds and you look at The Witcher three on the Switch, and the compromises they made to be able to be able to play those on the go are absolutely fantastic. Where I think the mistake came from is making them standalone games um, and not having full cross-save. Yeah. Because being able to go, right, I'm playing Witcher on the PC. I'm 45 hours into the Witcher 3 on the PC campaign. It's now come out on the Switch. That's excellent. Right, okay, let me convert that save and I can potter around doing the other bits on the Switch. Same with the Outer Worlds. People who have started that on a big on on a main console or PC, they don't want to start again 
And that's when you start getting the comparisons. But if you said to somebody, look, we've released it as the full game. So if you've not played it, there's another option for you to play it, which is great because options are the best. But if you're already playing it, it is cross-save. So play it the main quest on the main on the on your main system. But if you're off out, you know, if you if you've got to go and take your kids to do an event um, and you don't want to, you know, you just want to sit there and potter around a few little side quests, perfect for doing that on the Switch. Um, and that's what we need options. The issue I don't think is the compromises made on those sort of games. I think the issue is they're just not released right. Yeah, that's definitely a big part of it, without a doubt. Yeah. Well, I suppose with the the cross save thing is often not cross platform or cross it well cross company um which really it should be because i think you know obviously they're frightened that it'll cannibalize sales if you've been you buy the witcher 3 and you play it and then you don't invest in the dlc or whatever because you start then playing it on a switch because you've been able to transfer your save and then you get to the end of the game and there's like oh well you can buy you know the wild hunt or whatever it's called and they'll buy it on the nintendo console rather than the, the you know the ps4 one or whatever i suppose that they're kind of stuck in the past a little bit thinking along those lines of keeping you within their infrastructure and that's something that you know Microsoft seem to not care about, or not, not care about, but has certainly lost their fear around. They they just think, well, you know, the, the wider people can play things, the more likely they are to spend at least some of their money with us. Yeah, they're both console era Sega and post console era Sega at the moment. They're kind of, yeah, we've got <laughs> our own stuff, but we're going to release on everything as well. And it's like, I think that's still blowing people's minds. Yes, yeah. And it's making Sony look like utter dinosaurs at the moment the fact is microsoft has got you know what yeah buy it on the xbox one and we'll if it's if it's playable on the xbox series x and series s then have at it and sony are still going um what no what we, pay pay to play it on the new console what, what people what we want we want people to buy the games on the new console otherwise there's no attach rate yeah. And it doesn't look like it's doing well. But buy the new games at £70, £60, rather than the £50 it was. Pay the extra. Um, and all the meantime, so you've got Microsoft going, where do you want to play it? Yeah, we'll do that. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. You um, want to play it on the PlayStation 4? Yep, yeah, that's fine. We'll do that for you as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they've learned the right lesson, I think. You know, it's better to have yeah. a million people pay you a pound than it is to have, you know... 20,000 people pay you £2, you know. So, yeah, yeah they're, they're very forward-thinking. And the parallels with Sega are, like you say, really, really close, very forward-thinking and trying to break down barriers. So, yeah, it's, it's funny. You, you can't really have a kind of format preference these days because each one brings so, such unique things to the table that um, you, you're still always going to want to invest in something else. It, you know, it's going to do things differently in a way that will suit you. And it can never just be, oh, yeah, well, you know, there's a, there's the Switch because you can either have it as a handheld as a or as a console. And it's like, well, I might. Well, yeah, but for me, you know, they don't, they don't bring out the kind of games that I like often enough. Mm. And also they don't bring out very many first-party games. Uh, and there aren't any real... Like in, there aren't very many th- third-party exclusives on on the Switch either. They tend to be indie games. Now, all of those things are positive for 
some people, but I do all my indie gaming on the PC, so I don't need it for that. Um, but that doesn't make me right and them wrong, or vice versa. You know, it's just what fits your lifestyle, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and say, for someone like me at the moment, let's say, um, you might have... I suppose I'll let the cat out of the bag. I like indie games. Oh, no. Now you've done it. I know. I like indie games. People might not be aware of that. And... I've rediscovered PC gaming over the past, what, six months now, I think it is. Yeah. And I forgot how much I enjoy playing it. But there's still only certain games I really enjoy playing on the PC. Um, so, I, I, you know, I will be getting um, Jurassic World Evolution on the Switch, mainly for review, but also because I'm intrigued and I've liked it on the Xbox. However, I've also managed to get it from one of the Humble deals on the PC. And there's a benefit to having, like, a two-screen setup on a PC where I can play Jurassic World in one window and then the second I go, oh, hang on, how do I manage this without it all going wrong? It's about to go pear-shaped. I can then open up another window on another screen and watch a YouTube video while doing that at the same time and follow along. It's the same with City Skylines. Do you know what? It's absolutely fantastic, again, that that's on the Switch, but I've not touched that version in months because I play it on the PC because, again... I can watch how some of the experts are doing certain things, like how they're creating um, traffic flow. And then I'll go, watch that as I'm doing it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can try and do that on a console, but you need a laptop next to you. Um, or you can't really do it on the phone, because the phone's so small. You're like, right, okay, so how many little squares has he moved there? So you can't do it. So it's much better to yeah. play that on the PC, because you've got those options. And I think it's why it's so important that the options are there. Because, again, it's wonderful that I can play City Skylines on the Switch. Again, cross-save, please, would be ideal. I get why to a degree with that one, because I think each version of the game is totally different. But eh, it would be nice to have something there. But anyway, but it's definitely not the ideal experience. But I'm glad people can play it. And I think that that's what's got to be the thing now. Um, is we've got to continue to move down this thing of the format should not be the definition of where a game is played. Yeah. Um, and you you mentioned like the games you play, like you say like Ghosts and Goblins. Um, I'll look at stuff even back to like Super Mario World and stuff like that. And the fact you can get those on ROMs now and play those with full on save states helps get over difficult peaks. Yeah. Because I remember a level on Super Mario World that I've always struggled with back from when I was like um, a preteen right up to now. And when I was younger, I had all the time in the world. I'd, I'd, I'd go back, I've lost all my lives, so I'll start again, get to that point, lost all my lives, start again. Sorry, not Super Mario World, that one. Sorry, that was on Super Mario Land on the Game Boy. Sorry, there was a level that I really struggled with. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, for crying out. Now I do it, I've done it, and the first time I sort of blew it, I was like, oh, it's that section. And I remember I got save state. So I was like, oh, let's take this step by step. So save state at the start of the level. Run, run, run. Get over that first difficult bit. Save state. Excellent. Run, run, run. Fail. Load save state. Run, run, run. Fail. Load save state. Run, run, run. Succeed. Hit a new save state. And I could progress through. Again, it was like the ROM, uh, the emulators give you your own god mode in a way to do things like that. And then I finally got through it and experienced the end of the game which was great for me because the rest of the levels were, for whatever reason, piss easy. It was just that one particular level. Yeah. And the rest of it flew through. I um, wasn't even using save states for the rest of it, but it gave me the option. Now, that's, a, again, because I played that on a format it wasn't designed for, essentially, 
I got more out of it. Now, this is where it's going to counter-argue it because Super Mario Land was designed with the Game Boy in mind. It was definitely a watered-down version of the Mario games, uh, but it worked because of the format it was on. But, again, I'm, the ability to play that on something else is great. Uh, I mean, a hefty download. I think it was like two kilobytes or something like that, my initial my initial download of that. <laughs> wow. That took, that took, that took um, a blink of an eye. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it's, yeah, but those options do need to be there. And it does have an effect because FOMO comes into it as well. If a game is only available on a certain format and you hear everyone else having a good time with it, you're like, oh, I've really got to go and get that format. But I can't afford it. But do I really want this console um, for just that one game? Yeah. And you start, you start trying to find, well, well, I might play this one and I might play that. And you start trying to like do mental gymnastics in your head, and then you're trying to find reasoning to get something, and it does mess with you because then you go. Sometimes you go, ah, no, do you know what? It's not worth it. It's not worth it. And then, but you're still at the back of your mind going, but everyone else is enjoying it, and I'm not, and I am missing out, and I can't join in the conversation. It does have an effect on your mental health. I mean, you're not getting the same enjoyment out of some something that someone else is getting, and format has a huge part of that. I think. It does, and I think that, I mean, that's fine in the well, in certain circumstances. So let's say, you know, you're driving a car and your friend buys a Ferrari. You know, you can't just think, oh well, I should be able to drive a Ferrari. You can't get away with that in, in capitalist culture. But when you've got something that's equally as capable, and the only thing preventing you from doing the same thing as your friend is because the developers couldn't be asked, or more likely the publishers couldn't be asked. Then that becomes very frustrating. And I think that you could you could even have like a third party company spring up, sort of like Bluepoint, who converted saves so that you just signed up to them and they would convert a save for you. You know, if yeah. if the publishers of a you know couldn't be particularly bothered and they weren't you know, they could realise that, you know, a third party wouldn't mess up their security systems and stuff like that. So, you know, it's it's frustrating when it's not a technical issue, it's just a can't-be-bothered issue. So, yeah, yeah. But circling back as well to the sort of the, the format itself, what I really enjoy about the idea of the new consoles is the, the quick resume, which is kind of, it's not the same as save states, but it's definitely a massive quality of life improvement. Because if you think about it, if you're going to play something like a racing game and you know that uh, you when you compete in a championship, you've got to, you know, you start from the first event and you go all the way through like four laps or whatever, and it's an hour's worth of gaming, you, you kind of then have to set that aside and you can drift away from the game because it's, too much of a time investment but with with quick quick resume you know if you get called for your tea in the middle of playing it or you've got to go out to work or the kids are messing messing around or any reason really you can just instantly uh you know drop out of it and then know that you can resume at the same point later on i think that can that's got a a way you know that could be transformative as well for people that that's a Absolutely brilliant point, uh, and I'm glad you mentioned racing games with that. When I was a bit younger, or I knew like uh, Lucas was at school, and I had a day to myself. I'm um, great. I will go and do a full race weekend. 
But now I can't. I can't because I'm no way am I setting a Formula One race to five to ten laps just because it's done and dusted. It's ridiculous. You can't run a Formula One race in in that time without setting the difficulty down and driving like an absolute maniac. So yeah, the, the idea of quick resume, even on the same console, you know, I, I, I know it's not possible to be able to do that across multiple devices at the moment. Technology will make it possible, I reckon. Yeah. But being able to go right, boom, 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 for up to lap ten. What at the time? Right, pause, turn it off. And then off you go, do your bit, come back, unpause, um, turn the console on, sorry, unpause, and off you go, is great. Or even um, what Microsoft are doing now, um, and we're not Microsoft fanboys, by the way, but they are just making all the right noises. Up to 10 games, I think, could be stored in the memory. It's ridiculous, and they've shown it in action. And you can pause one game, go out to another game, pause that game go back to your previous game and it's all instantaneous yeah i say instantaneous it looks like maybe like a five second delay between saying i want to load this game and it actually loading the game back to where you were yeah um and if we're gonna quibble over five seconds then that's some entitlement issues there and that's (laughs) perfect for a big game like formula one because if you go in say say you're someone who goes and does a destiny raid or something like that with you with your mates on a monday evening Great, that's what you do. Um, but you get on and it's eight o'clock and it's like, ah, oh, do a bit of Formula One to start with. And you go, well, yeah, I've done qualifying. That's taken up half hour. We've started with five laps in. Oh, I've got to get ready to go and do the bit with my mates on Destiny. But then being able to pause that race, jump into Destiny, play Destiny without loading Destiny because you're already at the menu screen because that's where you suspended it last time. Jump straight in, do your raid for a couple of hours, whatever that is, come out of that, go back to Formula One and carry on. That's game changing. Yeah. Um, That is absolutely game changing. Uh, If that's not one of the reasons for people to be going, yeah, do you know what? It might not be the biggest back of the box feature, but yeah, if I'm playing a multi-format game, I'm very tempted to go just Xbox for that rather than PlayStation this time. Yeah, it is. It's a game changer, I think. Yeah. Yeah, but I think Fallback Wars, I really actually do think Fallback Wars are, this is going to be the final generation of it, personally. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Depends how much um, how much other companies, you know, like Nintendo and Sony, are comfortable with making, well, not copying Microsoft, but, you know, going along those lines of, of having fewer restrictions. Um, but, yeah. We'll see. Hopefully, that's what we want. Definitely, mm. access. Yeah, and it, it hopefully moving forward, it'll just be better for us as the consumers. Yeah. Um, and when we feel good, just when it's around, when you do feel good about something, and rather than having to constantly defend something, it is better for your enjoyment of something of playing a game. Rather than have to go, well, I'm playing it on this because I chose this format and I chose this format and I'm going to stick by this format, which causes console wars and, and arguments on the internet. But if you're just able to enjoy the game because it's on your format of choice, it's available everywhere, and you're just able to have fun with it, you're in a much better place mentally because you can just go, do you know what? I really enjoyed that game. And someone's like, yeah, I really enjoyed that game too. Yeah. What'd you play it on? Oh, I started on the Xbox, and but I finished it on my phone. Oh, that's cool. Rather than what do you play? Well, I play it on Xbox. Oh, well, I play it on PlayStation. PlayStation's better. It's got better. Blah, blah, blah. 
doesn't matter. Really doesn't matter. And if you're yeah. to, and those arguments only come about because I think people are looking for reasons to why their thing they bought is best. And yeah. I think once we get to a more homogenized system where most things are available on most things, it would just be enjoyment and everyone would be better off mentally as well. Yeah, I agree. And I think I used homogenized correctly. You did? Which is good. <laughs> yeah, I did, yes. Well, every time I try to use what's a, a, a relatively big word, but I always goes, please say you use that correctly and you don't sound like an absolute fool. Yeah, yeah, right there with you. <laughs> <laughs> mm. But it's a big word, so people think I'm clever anyway. Oh, actually, which gets me to um, uh, just a preview for, for next week. Um, next week, I want to talk about genius next week and, the, and what our perceived thoughts on genius is and why that has a huge effect on our mental health. Ooh, sounds good. Oh, so stay tuned for that one. Yeah, I will. Mm. <laughs> Anything else you want to add to this one, Stu? Yeah, I was going to say, just as a capper, uh, why Microsoft strategy is so good, at least using me as a template, because I didn't buy any Xbox games for, oh God, I don't know how long, years probably, even though they're all, all their exclusives are available on PC, because none of them were really very good. They were okay, but you know. And then I, so the only one that I did pay money for uh, was Gears of War 5 because you know I, I like the look of it so that was like one in like three years but when they brought out Game Pass I've been paying them ten ninety nine a month for a year and a bit now they've had money off me all that time so instead of having 50 quid or whatever less than that even 40 quid in three years they're getting 120 quid or something every year from me now so that just goes to show how this strategy can work oh 100% it's the same as like I said when we used to outdo Tesco's in my local off license. It's because we were still doing it to make profit, but people got perceived value from what we was offering, and the little giveaways we'd we'd do as well, like at Christmas to certain like um, certain customers. It was still making people come and spend more than they was pre than they were thinking of doing. So we was making more money. But the customer was getting extra value out of what they were spending. And it's exactly what Microsoft are doing. Yeah. Um, they're being greedy, but without being greedy. They, they're not going for the, we want all the money. They're the happy with just getting the right amount of money. Yeah. Fair play to them. Yeah. The very last thing I'll say as well is that, and this has only really just kind of occurred to me, is that now that we pretty much don't have demos of games anymore it's it's brilliant for that as well because a game that you may never have touched because it was you know 30 or 40 quid and you're like well i might like it but i'm not going to know because that's too much money you can now play and you, you might end up spending a ton of time on it um yeah. and also yeah stuff that you may have bought anyway going all oh, that'll be brilliant is garbage and you don't play it so that's pro consumer as well yeah microsoft flight sim there's no way i'm buying that game at the cost it is. The base version on Microsoft Game Pass, I'm quite willing when they put certain other parts in there to pay some extra money. Yeah. Um if they if they was to go and completely model parts of the UK and charge me five, six quid, whatever it is for, for that 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 county or that city's model, then yeah, I'll pay that because I've got the game on Game Pass and it's cost me nothing. Because again, that's the mentality of it. It's cost me nothing. It's costing me money. But my brain's going, well, you're paying for Game Pass with all the other games, and te technically you're getting it for now. But I would never have touched that without Game Pass. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Or a meaty PC, either. 
Uh, that that's not getting converted to the Switch anytime soon. <laughs> no. I don't I don't care how good Blue Point are, mate. I'm not getting that on the Switch. <laughs> no chance. That's when it gets announced for like Christmas 21, in it. Yeah, <laughs> and you flight imme- sim on the Switch. <laughs> yeah, and you immediately drop the money on it. <laughs> yeah. Well, how much? Yeah, there you go. Take the hundred quid. Yeah. Um. But anyway, that that's it from us. Do remember, it is our first birthday, um, and we are like the Queen. Because soon we will hit episode 52 of this podcast, and that will be the first birthday for the podcast. But it's the first birthday of the site. Um, thank you to everyone that has been part of this journey. Um, if you watch the video and you haven't been name-checked, that's purely my ADHD brain. There's nothing personal. Um, I, I, I didn't make a list before I've done it, so there we go. Um, if you do want to speak to us in any way shape or form or you do need help you need to shout into the void you just want to chat games you want to start a format war then you can join us on discord you can reach out on twitter facebook wherever um and obviously do check us out on youtube and twitch as well and if you do like what we're doing and you do want to support us keep the servers going that kind of thing then you can support us on patreon and coffee with that, that's a goodbye from me, goodbye from Stu, and until next time, stay safe.